if I had just like taken care of myself, gotten some sunlight and, you know, did some yoga, I maybe would have been a different person. But like I, you know, I, I went to therapy for a while and I've seen uh, quite a few therapists actually uh, to like sort through things. But there's a whole counter cosmos underneath what we feel. We're, we're looking for this infinitely thin margin of good feelings. Beneath that, there's everything else. What if you could fall in love with that? These tools are for you to use. These tools are for you to use. Welcome to This Is Your Afterlife, conversations with artists and activists about death and life. My name's Dave Marr. I'm a comedian. I live in Chicago. I was in a coma eight years ago, and now I've got questions for guests like Winslow Dumain, who is a comedian and artist. He's got a tarot deck. He is designing a card game. You can find links to help playtest that card game in the show notes. You can find all the other ways to follow him and consume his products in the show notes. Winslow is a dark guy. I mean, for, for to be reductive. I don't if you've listened to the show, and by the way, if this is your first time and you're listening to the show based on attending the Comedy Against Work event at Pilsen Community Books this past Friday, thank you very much for coming out. It was a blast. It was so nice to be back in front of people talking. And, you know, it wasn't about me, but just to be part of a thing in front of people who, man, it felt good. Stay tuned for hopefully more opportunities for me to do that and you to be in the audience. Anyway, I, yes, if it is your first time listening, you may not know that the people I book on this show are not like, like I'll get emails sometimes from people with like near death experience books. And I'm like, I don't think you understand what this is about. Like, I'm not just like every heaven is for real knockoff is not who I'm booking on the podcast. Um, I, I book people I think are interesting. I book people who I think make vital and cool art, who imagine life in new ways. And Winslow just happens to do that and also be a metalhead and a consumer of death-themed and a producer of death-themed art. And so I felt like he would make a good sort of unique guest, and I'm excited for you to hear this conversation. If you want to support the show, there's some very easy ways to do that. You can follow it. You can subscribe. You can rate. You can review. You can go to patreon.com slash Dave Marr and get even more audio, the full-length conversations, and bonus cuts of various audio experiments that I do. And you can support the show for just a little bit every month, 5 or $15. If you support at the $15 level, you are a pigeon-level patron, and you get your name shouted out. So what's up? And thank you, Shuba Singh, John Lee, Debo, Fred Fidoa, Susie Carroll, Kurt Chang, and Katie Llewellyn. And maybe you. Maybe you next week. And that is what I've got. Please enjoy my conversation here with Winslow Dumain. I grab your whip and take it back to Chi-Town. When I'm in Chi-Town, I treat it like... It's hard to explain sometimes to people, like, very simply, I have a very intelligent erudite friend who's like 
I don't like horror movies. Like, why would I go to be scared? And that feels easy enough to dismantle to me. But how do you respond to the question, why even seek out this extreme shit? So I actually, um, I, I just responded to this exact question um, for another interview. Somebody just, <laughs> somebody's writing a paper about me for their college class, which is what? Uh, which is very silly. That's um, So the way that I see it and i've i've talked about this before is um is it kind of ties into how i put together my my tarot deck right Mm -hmm. so i went through a uh really really devastating breakup with someone who like i wanted to have a whole fucking life with i really i i love this woman to death and um it it fucked me up in such a profound way that I need something to do with my hands. Right. Um, I needed to like really invest, um, time into something or I was just going to like lose my mind or I, it's the thing where like at the start of quarantine, I was like, I have all of this time at home. I need to do something or I'm just going to play video games and watch TV. Mm-hmm. And so I started big projects and I fucking finished them. Right. So yeah. I needed something to do. And I started drawing and I started writing and I wrote a whole bunch of stories and I put all of this pain into uh, a great work. And then I put it on Kickstarter. And I mean, you, you know, the rest of the story, right? I just ordered the fourth printing of it, which means that I have just placed another $24,000 order for tarot cards. <laughs> it's, so an, it's insane. Um, but you had the tarot deck before the quarantine. I did. So during quarantine, I finished the third edition, okay. uh, which was uh, massively, massively updated and like completely rewritten. And I have in the past year sold like the the 2000 copies that I had. So, you know, I'm just kind of burning through them. Right. Yeah. So. um, When when you. Look at the idea of why engage with the dark? Why engage with these negative emotions? We have a whole civilization built around um, pursuit of these very specific emotions, right? You have a whole civilization built around like you need to find joy and happiness as soon as you can and you need to nail that shit down. And if you feel any other emotion, you need to get over it fast. And what that is, is it's just like, imagine, you know, imagine killing a cow and only eating the ribeye. You have this whole life. And I, I think you have kind of a, not a moral imperative, because I, I don't want to get into like moralistic views of these things, but I think that you have like an, a, a imperative to yourself to experience the most out of your life as you can. I was like emotionally devastated by this uh, relationship. And I mean, things that I had been put through and suicides and like multiple deaths happening in my life in, in a short succession, right? Like I was crushed and I could just, yeah, look on the green or like, you know, try to try to appreciate the good things in life. Mm -hmm. Or I could 
see this surplus of emotions that I had and dive into them and just like get into the, the machine of sorrow and of grief and feel those fucking feelings and just get lost in the grief and experience the rush that comes with profound sorrow and create something out of it. And the way I think of it is like, the way I picture it, uh, I guess Brian Regan has a joke about going to the gym and like, like he's like, I don't know how any of these machines work. So I just like climbed into one and I just start moving things around. <laughs> and, and then he's, this guy comes up to me and says, sir, can you get out of the scaffolding? And, <laughs> and I, I think about that, you know, I just see this like wretched machinery of torment and. It is my own chemistry. It is the world that wants to hurt me. And I get in there and I fucking engage with it. And I, I make it bigger. I don't run from it. I confront it and I don't try to scare it away. I just try to see the whole thing. And then with that, I make something else. Paint your hell. There's a lot of things that have caused me catastrophic pain. And I think guilt is one of them. Realization of guilt and being caught is, is a, is a definite hell. I think, um, you know, there's this aspect of ADD that I've heard described, uh, called, um, attention deficit rejection dysphoria or something to that effect. Okay. Um, which, I am, I, I don't know how, I feel like the science is not terribly settled on ADD and autism and, and um. Well, they're kind the, of figuring it out on TikTok. It's mostly. Yeah, my God. Of, yeah. Um, I, I, uh, I'm very done with teenagers <laughs> telling me how to self-diagnose. Sure. Um, but for, uh, the rejection dysphoria. There's this thing about ADD in that um, your life is lit up by stimulation uh, and you get stimulation from everything that you can interact with. That's why we, 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 I, I mean, we, that's why I like <laughs> uh, video games and I like very stimulating music. I like high intensity kind of things. Mm -hmm. um, and when that stimulation goes away, there is a decided dip in your emotions. So when somebody stops talking to you, when they break up with you, when they are far away or they don't look at their phone as soon as your anxiety would like, you go on this quick little downward spiral of what did I do? I lost everything. I'm never going to get that again. It, it's so much more devastating uh, when your chemical balance is based around the stimulation you get from other people, right? So the dysphoria happens in response to rejection. Correct. Okay. And so my, my hell is in being discarded and feeling the world uh, move on from me and, and like – pass pass away from me and no longer care about me you know watching the the woman you love 
find equal and greater happiness with someone else. That was like the worst thing that happened to me in my, you know, teen years and early twenties. It was, uh-huh. that was devastating because it was just like, I was, you were such an enormous part of my life. And just like that, I'm gone, you know, and just like that, you've moved on. And that, that was like a huge thing for me. Um, that, that, that heartache. I think now though, um, it's it's the feeling and the realization of, I guess the feeling of the realization that I am not as equipped as I thought that I'm not as um put together as I thought and that my ambitions have ultimately failed I think hell to me is is um <laughs> kind of inarguable stuff there yeah you know they, they're, they're, yeah these are pretty pretty straightforward things i mean like i mean i'll also get like poked in the eye you know what i mean (laughs) what do you hope happens when you die i in my heart of hearts hope that it's just like a, a vast terminating silence i i maybe there is something fabulous on the other side i am I describe myself as, you know, the, the kind of atheist agnostic of just, I don't know. And I don't terribly care. I don't actually mm-hmm. think about death that much. I think about like phenomenologically the aspect that we do die. I think that much is interesting. Um, but I don't necessarily think about, um, like the, the grand mystery of what happens after we die. Right. It's so because- wild. So the extra, the extreme art that you're into. The, the darkness that you feel most drawn to is life darkness. Yeah. Death, death as representation of that stuff. Right. Because the only yeah. ones who get to experience death are the ones that are alive. The dead don't experience mm-hmm. death. Mm-hmm. We are around to watch them die and vanish. And death is loss. We have no idea what happens on the other side. Right. So what, what do I think happens? I mean, like, I, I like, look, I get that Reddit atheists are like, you know, cringe as fuck or whatever, <laughs> but like, hey, at least we never genocided anyone. Um, and I, I, I think that the assertion that there would be anything after death based on literally zero evidence, why should we build our expectation? off of that kind of um that kind of that kind of evidence you know why should we build it off of that why should we expect heaven why heaven why can't it be pittsburgh why can't it be literally anything else they're all operating on the exact exact amount of evidence you know so what do i hope happens I mean, I'd love to give it another shot. Like I've enjoyed this life and I'd love to have this life again. Really? Same yeah. same circumstances, just everything all over. You know, it's funny. I I wanted to find a way to write a joke about this where like uh <laughs> like you know, I'd love if I get reincarnated to just have like same thing just with a bigger dick, 
you know. <laughs> but uh, sure. and then like it f- smash flash forward to to me being reincarnated as like one of ten trillion single celled organisms that dies every single second, you know, like just constantly being reincarnated and like finally get to be me. And then I have like I actually have a huge dick, but I have other like horrible things that are going wrong with my body. <laughs> you know <laughs> sure, what I mean? Sure, like, sure. Like I, I don't know. I, I, what the funniest thing about me and like the, the company that I keep is that like, I am, I mean, you can fucking see it right now. I'm like fucking, I'm covered in spikes. Uh I'm like just behind me here. I have a little corner in my house where I have an old photograph of a, a dead child in a casket. I have a illustration from a book from like the 1840s of a, a drowned girl being taken out of a river. And then I have another illustration from an even earlier period of a uh, frozen boy being found in the in the snow. Right. Sure. So I have all of this darkness here and I'm the most optimistic person you'll ever meet. I am like upbeat almost all the time. And all of my friends who are very forward and very colorful and very, very like shiny and happy are the most pessimistic people i've met in a very very long time Mm -hmm. i'm having a blast i really am but because i've opened my mind you hope that all of it i get go ahead but you did say you hope that it there is a an overwhelming silence well i guess yeah like if there has to be that is appealing to you well, what I'm saying really is that if there has to be something afterwards, like if I have to go to another, if my consciousness moves on, right? Yeah. If I live another life, say we have uh, uh, reincarnation, I would like to do this again because as horrid as some of the emotional pain I've been through has been, also every single good thing that's ever happened to me has happened while I've been alive. Sure. So that's fine too like this has been cool um if if i had to like decide between a heaven and hell i i well you know not between a heaven and hell right but like if i had to like have a heaven yeah 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 um i don't think that i can imagine a heaven that wouldn't get stale I mean, you'd have to, like, crack my psyche and break my brain in a way that says that, like, how do I put it? I I had a priest explain heaven to me as, like, every single moment is a brand new day. And it's, like, this eternal, glorious, golden feeling that follows you forever and ever and ever into eternity. Mm -hmm. And that's not how human consciousness operates, right? You would have to have a different kind of mind to experience that because none of us can experience eternity because we have, that's just not how our, our brains are built. Right. Right. So I think that if there were to be another form of, uh, of life after this, it would not be recognizable in any capacity to us as human beings with our mere mortal minds it would have to be so far and so far removed from our consciousness that it would be i it, it makes me think of like the the sunken city of Erle 
uh, you know, the, the Lovecraftian non-Euclidean geometry, which is just, it's not built for human consciousness. So you might as well not have your consciousness continue because your consciousness would be so transformed. Or perhaps there is some core of our consciousness that is independent from our, from our humanity, right? So mm-hmm. I I imagine like if you could somehow boil down what makes you you and put it into another type of being, like if you could be a dog and retain some of the the emotionality and the the behavioral traits of you then just extrapolate that one step further and imagine like the core of dave being put into a transcendent being without body and i always imagine heaven as being a, a sort of like um hive mind mass consciousness mm-hmm. um like a, a shared shared consciousness among uh many like infinite bodies or infinite minds so that they are both distinct and indistinct. Um, but the ocean and the wave sort of. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, it is like cool, dude. <laughs> like, okay. So what about that? Like you, all right. So I can, I can imagine a color beyond the rainbow. All right, cool. What do you want for dinner? This is the point in the show when I ask you to relive one memory. And I explain to you that this comes from my second one man show, which was set in the afterlife. And the premise of the bit is that everyone gets to pick one memory to fully drop down into and relive like a room you can open and close whenever you want. The rest aren't wiped, but you do have to pick one. Mm -hmm. Which memory do you choose? There was an afternoon when I was a freshman or sophomore. God, I think. That I just spent, I think, a Saturday downtown with this woman who I had been enamored with since like sixth grade. And so this is freshman or sophomore in high school. Yeah. Downtown Omaha. Omaha, Nebraska. Okay. And it was such a uniquely love-drenched day. There were so many uh, strange serendipitous things that happened that day that it lent to its a, a certain magic that, you know, statistically speaking, of course, there's going to be a lot of things in your life that um, – you're going to have some some pretty profound coincidences. And if you search for coincidences, you'll find that your life is very magical, right? Sure. But there were just so many things that lined up for that day that were just so 
unique and beautiful. And, uh, I was so deeply and wildly in that young, unformed, uh, you know, I've never been hurt before kind of love uh-huh. that that kind of wild abandonment of love is something that like, I don't know if I can, if, if any of us can go back to that. Right. Yeah. Like and what was, sorts of synchronicities were happening? Oh, um, it was a lot of, it was like, we, painted uh we would talk on the phone for hours and hours and hours and we would like paint our ideal day of what we'd want to do and how romantic it would be and how lovely Mm -hmm. it would be and a lot of those things happened where we were just like it was warm it was rainy we were out together it was like these very beautiful things we had we both really loved radiohead at the time we thought the song creek was really cool and we were walking around downtown and there's a mariachi band playing creep for some reason. Okay. We had an inside joke about um, the Wienermobile. We were kids, right? You know, sure. this is like, you know, MySpace cringe stuff. Yeah. Uh, random holds up spork kind of thing. Or just uh, childhood stuff. Yeah, childhood stuff. Like, I'm, I, <laughs> I'm not trying to, you know, denigrate my past Winslow here. No, um, no, no. And, you know, fucking we walk by the Wienermobile as the mariachis singing creep in the warm, warm summer rain. Like there's these things that are just like, oh, I, ah, how do I put it? It's, it's truly like you're looking at this vast constellation of experiences in your life of just Fucking chaos, high school, love, responsibility, puberty, anger, all these different emotions, all these different things that are happening. And then there's this person that like somehow in this static, you see a straight line Mm -hmm. from here to eternity. And it was just like this, uh, that's not that Nicholas Cage movie where he, he, uh, he can see two minutes into the future, but when he's with this one gal, he can like see way deep into the future. And it's like the, yeah, I, I don't know if I've seen this movie, but the premise is familiar. Yeah. It's a shit movie, but it's Nicholas Cage. What are you going to do? Right. Right. Um, and just this like, really profound sense of like oh fuck my future is totally unwritten except for the part that i'm with her Mm -hmm. and that was just like the the unvarnished euphoria of of young love that i i if i had to revisit that experience i think it would be a lovely time you know and there's other things too like you know the But were the two of you in a relationship at this moment or was this kind of not at that moment? That actually came years later. And that's actually what eventually inspired the tarot deck. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that's actually the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. You could say so. Um, That's and at the time I well, all the whole time that I knew her. Oh, not the whole time because I met her in like sixth grade. Right. Um, I 
I wore this this uh, amethyst stone ring on my um, uh, ring finger. And when we split up, I stopped wearing that ring. And uh, I, you know, I wear a couple other rings now, but. So I stopped wearing the ring. And then when I made the tarot deck, how well you can see that with the light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see it. It's it's the it's my left hand with the ring finger mm. cut off. So it's sure. about like that uh that connection being severed, right? Yeah. So you open up the box and the tarot deck is about it's a set during an infertility apocalypse, right? So okay. um the cards themselves are let me get them out here. It's 100 cards uh, trimmed in silver, and the backs of them are uh, all the sperms going into a black hole, right? Okay. When you take them out of the box, inside the box, it's the two rings. Mm. And so, like that, I took those experiences, and I just kind of poured them into, into this. Because if I hadn't done this, you know, I mean, who wants to hear about somebody complaining about their breakup? Sure, but if I, sure. if I do it in a very artful way, maybe somebody will pay attention to it, right? What's your coma? And by this, I just mean any moment where before you were one version of yourself and after you were another. So a moment of transformation, great or small, comes from the fact that I was in a coma. I don't know how much to explain sometimes to people, but this was this was before you were in Chicago, I think. So I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But so you're wait, you're so you're familiar with the story? I've heard you do bits about it because didn't okay. you go into a coma because you were rationing insulin or some shit? Uh, I was rationing like the test strips, which was part of the uh, is is not the insulin, but it's mm-hmm. uh, also problematic. But uh, yeah, a c- combo of of diabetes and and addiction stuff. But um, okay, but yeah, so so it is a it's a jagged line change, it, not not a clean like before and after, right? But but it's it's a it's a marking point, and I'm wondering what is just one of those marking points for you. For the record, I am like not like hung up on this relationship anymore but if we're talking about very significant things in my life this is you know this is one of them yeah yeah totally Um, i this is all for the record this is the record yeah i you're you're recording this in the fbi van yeah Um, yeah yeah. the so like i was in love with that with that lady since like the sixth grade and It took until we were like 25 before we finally got together. Wow. And a lot of like misconnections and stuff like that. Um, and it was the best and most terrifying thing to happen to me. And it, it, there was a lot of, there were parts of it that were just like completely overwhelming and devastating. And I mean, I don't want to get into too many of like the, grimy details but like you know there was absolutely some profound violations of trust and like uh 
I describe it as like that K-Pax feeling. Uh, okay. Do you know? Do you know? Have you ever, have you ever seen the movie K-Pax? I have. It's a million seen it, years but ago, but I do not remember it. So yeah, it's basically it's like you know the first ninety five percent of the movie is Kevin Spacey in a uh, mental institution, and he's convincing he's he is convinced that he is an alien, and he's uh-huh. explaining how time travel works and all these things, and people are like, "You're crazy! You're crazy! You're crazy!" And then he gets more and more people to kind of believe that he's truly an alien and like uh it all leads up to like the day that he's going to return to his spaceship and, or something to that effect and um then the like the last 60 seconds of the movie is just him having a seizure on the ground because he was just uh <laughs> just a very unstable person <laughs> yeah, and so yeah. it's just this realization of like oh all of that was for naught. Mm-hmm. All of that mm-hmm. was just uh, a, a structure of nothing. Um, and so, yeah, I guess it, it the the coma itself wasn't the relationship, but the way that I recovered from it, which was like profound, catastrophic depression and rage and sorrow and then i was just like i'm going to be a fucking artist i'm going to work on this every goddamn day and were you an artist before i was yeah i I drew pictures and stuff but like okay i didn't take it terribly seriously nobody knows this but before i was in chicago doing comedy or like drawing pictures i took thousands and thousands and thousands of photos like i was a big photography nerd Mm-hmm. Um, and then I picked up the pen and I just like taught myself how to draw and also, you know, comedy stuff too. As an adult um, though. Yeah, more or less. Yeah. Wow. I, I picked up, I started doing comedy and drawing within the same like two, three year period. And so, you know, between then and now, now I'm like, you know, I have a, I have a good strong hour and I, you know, draw all the time uh, yeah. to the, Except for the fact that I'm like spending all my time working on the tarot deck or the 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 card game stuff, um, and so I needed something to do with my hands, and so I, I invested all of my time into drawing, right? And yeah. so I just had a spare deck of tarot cards that I bought at a white elephant sale um, at my old Catholic high school or my old Catholic grade school where I met that girl. Okay. We actually went there okay. together and I got the tarot deck because um, they had like a, a big white elephant. So, and so I started, um, I, I separated out the major arcana from the minor. And that's an important thing because the major arcana are all the cards that, you know, death, the hanged man, the wheel, the chariot, all of that. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. And the minor ones are all the cards that people tend to forget about, which is the the suits, the cups, and the, and the cups and the wands and such. Yeah, and I would draw a card from that deck, and I would try to think of what, how would I redraw this? And so I started to do a few things, and I realized, well, if I'm going to keep drawing these, I want there to be a consistent like language to it. Yeah. So I started drawing a little more and I started like putting together, well, what is my vision for this future? What is my vision for this project? And I thought about the movie Children of Men. 
And that yeah. is a, you know, it's about an, uh, an, another kind of an infertility apocalypse. I thought about the Great American Dust Bowl, which is when like these exterminating storms of dust and ash and, 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 and sand like just swept through, uh, the American, uh, Southwest and, and Great Plains. And I started to create a story about these, uh, gods that had betrayed, um, betrayed the trust of the human race and were like slowly wiping them away with this like pall of suffocating darkness. And that pall of that, that smoke storm that's eating the world is basically like this suicidal depression that's rolling across the world. And what happens to the people that live there? And that's kind of what the tarot deck is about, right? And so, so would you say that the oh wait go ahead and so i continued doing that i started writing a few stories for him uh every card as it developed got a story i started to develop like a language and themes and symbols for them uh and in the middle of it i had half the deck done i moved from omaha to chicago to pursue comedy a little closer mm. And I could not get a job out here. And so I just started drawing. I went to FedEx. I made some prints on 11 by 17 with some of my, my, the drawings I'd already done. And I just got a folding chair and I sat it outside of the, the Damon stop of the blue line. And I just started selling drawings like a street artist. Yeah. And I did that for a while and I paid my rent on just like weird drawings that I sold. And. Then I eventually finished the deck and then I kickstarted it. And then that Kickstarter money came in and I got the money to buy some other stuff. And I started making some pins. I started making patches. I started making stickers. And now that's how I pay my bills because I chose to take all of those wretched negative emotions and pour them into a greater work. That is how I get to live now. I can do whatever I want because I did whatever I could, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, this kind of goes back to the whole why engage with the darkness thing in the first place. You talked about not transforming the darkness, but using it to make your own things. And it sounds like you, you, you had a taste, you had a taste for the darkness before. Mm -hmm. And then what this experience, and by this experience, I mean the recovery from this breakup, what mm-hmm. that gave you was the practice of transforming that taste into work. Right. And that's, and, and now when I have these very profound, dismal experiences, I can just look and go like, okay, well, I know how to, how to turn this sorrow into a metaphor and turn this into something greater. And does it create a feeling of if you haven't, if you haven't expressed or represented an experience that it feels unresolved or it feels, it can feel like I have homework. Okay. Okay. Really? You know? Yeah. Yeah, it can, it can feel like I have these uh unfinished works unfortunately, but um I 
I don't need to make another tarot deck the next time I get my heart broken. <laughs> um, because bear in mind, I knew that woman for like 15 fucking years, right? Like yeah. I knew that woman for ages. So I, I don't need to do that again. But what I can do is, and what I have done in the past is just like, um, I have, while making this, this, art project i've also really refined my comedic voice and so now i can explore a lot of those feelings with a a much more immediacy with uh comedy right um and i'm also just like much more emotionally stable so sure um yeah it it's uh i don't know what what i think is the kind of my defining characteristic that i took from all of that is this penchant for taking on a big thing and and breaking it into parts and then doing all the little parts and then the thing is done and i have met over the years a lot of artists that are they think of art as doing sitting down and doing one big thing. Uh, they think like, well, in order to for me to be a painter, I have to buy the this big canvas that's six feet tall and I have to paint this perfect thing or it doesn't count. Mm-hmm. And that's not how that works at all. I, I'm a comedian and I'm a writer. I made this tarot deck. I'm making a card game. And... um I have all of these different irons in the fire. And because of that, if I have a weird idea and I want a means to express it, I more often than not do. If you only have one means to express yourself, then you're going to be limited by like how many ideas you have that you're going to be throwing away. That's the show. Thank you for listening. Follow the links in the show notes to follow Winslow and check out all his stuff, including playtesting that card game he's got. Go to patreon.com slash Dave Marr if you want to hear the full conversation and other experiments. I've got a new edition of the after show with Claire Favret coming up soon. And yeah, follow me as well at the links in the show notes. And until next week, remember, you are a mist. Miracles, you can do them. Have faith, you are human, only human. And human beings, they do.